This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hey everybody, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, also the founder of Summit Life Ministries. Our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose, equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, Dad, where we left off yesterday was in uh, Luke 10, verse 17, and we were talking about how the disciples came back to talk to Jesus, and they were excited, yes. joyful, and they were excited and joyful because they came back and said, Jesus, we were able to cast out these devils and demons. And they were in a profound way saying it was because they were casting out in his name. That's right. And how such a profound statement that was because not ever before had a human's name been able to cast out. That's right. The name of a man. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, it's a profound scripture and it goes on uh, to say that when they reported this back, he said to them, he goes, boys, I've had visions about this. <laughs> yeah. I knew this day was coming. Uh, this is a watershed moment. Yeah. Because there has been a dark Lord that has ruled over this earth for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. But now there is going to be a reclaiming of an authority that was lost. Yeah. And I am going to be the second Adam. Yeah. Uh, That which Adam uh, fell in his fall uh, allowed that authority to be lost through the fall. He said, I am going to reclaim that which the father uh, intended and had given to his first man, Adam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean... After we talked about the episode last night, I was just thinking about that interaction, just like trying to, you know, imagine what that interaction was like and how they were excited. But then thinking of how he's like, oh, boys, you guys don't (laughs) you don't know. I've had visions. That's right. And And ultimately, uh, what would happen? Not only demons leaving people in the name of Jesus but ultimately the dethronement of Satan. And and we'll get into this in future episodes, but a purification of the heavens themselves. Because he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, a sudden uh, casting out of heaven. And we're going to look at Roman or Revelation uh, chapter 12, but we're going to get to that in a few episodes. But we do see times they are a changing yeah. uh, in regards to these kingdoms that are now in conflict. They There has been a collision. Heaven has invaded earth. Yeah. And that the control and the oppression that the enemy had over humanity is now beginning to have to retreat and withdraw as the authority of the kingdom with its king beginning to make advancement in the earth. So we also had talked in the last episode, David, that there was this moment 
where the demons were very surprised that Jesus, and we talked about paradox and the irony of God, who was the creator, the eternal one entered into time, and I'm not going to go back through all of that, but how they were stunned and surprised that he would appear in that form and be in that moment of time. So when Satan saw, because I'm sure that the hordes of hell, um, powers of darkness had to say, we've got to recalibrate our strategy here. Yeah. We've got to recalculate how are we going to thwart what he's attempting to do. Yeah. And I want to go back to a passage of scripture that we referenced before, but due to the surprise of how the demons reacted to him when when the eternal one entered into time the creator uh, became a part of his creation the bible tells us in second first corinthians chapter 2 first corinthians chapter 2 it says none of the rulers of this age understood this why he would come in human form for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't understand that by stealth, Jesus was going to display not only the wisdom of God, a wisdom that was kept hidden, a wisdom that would catch the crafty one in his own deceit, in his own craftiness. But also in his humanity, he was going to put on a display of God's power that was unprecedented. And it said that this power would come out of weakness. Mm -hmm. You don't think that out of weakness, you can originate power and strength. But again, God's ways are so much higher and his thoughts are so much higher than ours. So God takes what appears to be foolish and is going to reveal the absolute perfection of his wisdom, catching the enemy in his own deceit and craftiness. And then from weakness, the weakness of human flesh, coming in the form of a servant, in that form of weakness, the weakness of humanity, he is going to reveal an unprecedented, unparalleled display of the power of God. And the Bible tells us that had the rulers of this age known, and it's not just talking about earthly kings. This is talking about, again, uh, the rulers of this cosmos, this spiritual hierarchy, these lords of darkness, principalities and powers that ruled over the nations of the earth that thought we've got God in a box where he cannot do anything. We have control over mankind and over this planet. So it shows us in this passage of scripture, or it it indicates and intimates the change in strategy. So we read in Matthew how the demons were surprised. Why are you here? Have you come to torment us before our time? Because we've read the the passages about you coming in judgment. This is not the way we thought judgment was gonna come. So this passage in 1 Corinthians 2 intimates to us the change of the strategy 
that Satan recalibrated. And this was his calculation. Okay, we didn't think God was going to show up in this moment of time. And in the form in which he has come. Why would the omnipotent, omnipresent God put himself in a time-space dimension in human flesh, this could be to our advantage. They were thinking it would, he was coming as a weak person and that this was there. <laughs> That's right. And that we know, according to Philippians, it said that Jesus had laid aside his his powers, yeah. his attributes, his divine attributes. So what he was doing is he was relying upon the Holy Spirit to accomplish the will and the work of God. So Satan and the lords of darkness come to a conclusion. We've been successful at killing every man and having our greatest weapon that we've weaponized because we know that sin has released an absence of blessing in the earth. A consequence of sin, according to what even God had said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Yeah. So sin has led to death. So death has now been weaponized. And Satan says, every man that has ever lived, I've been successful of using death against him. Yeah. And I am able to control in the afterlife the destiny of men because they are unrighteous and they cannot be in the abode of God. They cannot be in heaven. And so we do know that there were two compartments in paradise, the Bible tells us, one for the unrighteous and those that were the souls of the righteous dead. But they were not in heaven. The righteous dead, those that lived by faith, were not in heaven. And so he was able to control their afterlife as well, not only uh, affecting death uh, on in their natural life, but in some ways keeping them separated in their afterlife apart from God. Yeah. So he makes this calculation. God himself has put himself into a time-space continuum. He's put himself in the weakness of human flesh, which makes him vulnerable to sin and death. So if we can get him to sin because of the vulnerability of the weakness of his flesh, then we can affect death upon him. So we can see the radical nature of the resistance against Jesus, the temptation of Jesus. And, and we need to understand we're only seeing one uh, period of trial. But once you read about the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, it says that Satan departed from him for a short while yeah. or for a little bit. So if you think that Jesus only did 40 days of temptation <laughs> uh, and then he was good to go because he had been victorious. No, that was one battle. Uh, And we can see that the warfare was continual with Jesus as these, um, his adversary tried to entice and to tempt him. 
And ultimately, we see his greatest temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane, where, you know, here is this moment where he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. I feel like I'm going to die right now. But Jesus sees that there is a moment in which he is going to taste death for every man, that he is going to... to, uh, what we call substitutionary atonement. He is going to give himself in place for us. Mm-hmm. And for those of us that are listening to this right now, I want the weight of that statement to just continue to allow the Holy Spirit to make us feel the weight of what Jesus did for us. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know I quoted Calvin several episodes ago where Calvin said, when I when I look upon Jesus on the cross and I see his marred appearance and I, I examine his wounds, I see myself staring back at me. Yeah. He just didn't suffer for you. That that could have been enough. Should have been enough. But he died as you. He literally took the death that all of us should have died. Yeah. And and so there is this moment where he's never been separated from the Father's presence. He's never known one degree of separation. There has been this union with the will of the Father. And now here is this enormous cup of damnation. And one of my favorite preachers you know is Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. And it's said that when Jesus peered into the, the cup at the Last Supper, I'm going to cry because... It means so much to me. He passed it to his disciples as a cup of blessing. Mm -hmm. But when he looked into the cup for himself, it was a cup of damnation. And it said that he didn't just take a sip of the cup. But uh, Spurgeon said he drank damnation dry. All of the judgment for every sin, for all the sins of the whole world. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. So he took my curse. He took my damnation. He took my death and my hell. And he drank it all so that the blessing of a new covenant could be released to us. So, uh, you know, I've told you I'm a little amateur historian. and, And I've been reading a book about the Alamo and... You know, the Texicans that made their stand at the Alamo. But there was a moment where these guys knew that the Alamo was defenseless, that with the army that was coming against them, these 188 men knew that there was no way that they could defend and be victorious. But they also knew that there was an army led by Sam Houston. Yeah that was still trying to gather, still trying to become an army, still trying to be trained. So you had these ranchers, farmers, uh, you had uh, business owners, uh, really a militia. There was no professional army in Texas, but yet Santa Ana, the general and dictator that commanded the Mexican army, this was a professional army that was drilled and, and, and they were veterans. And so uh, they made a decision because there was a moment in which 
the commanding officer, Colonel Travis, they mustered all the men into the courtyard and they, they asked them, would any of the men be willing to stay? And the point was to buy Texas time. Yeah. To buy Sam Houston time. To to allow them to have moments for training, preparation, getting enough ammunition, getting enough arms to actually uh, resource the army. And of course, there was that vivid moment where Travis took his sword and he drew this line in the sand and he and Travis said, I'm, I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. And he said, who will stay with me? And of course, all the men, I think there was maybe one or two that didn't, but in a, in a wholehearted way, those men. So Sam Houston uh, was trying to muster this rabble all together and make them an army. And, you know, men that have not been in military service or in professional arms, military discipline and training is not relished or liked by yeah. recruits. Yeah. And so there was there was sometimes people saying, um, you know, I'm tired of this. I didn't sign up for this and I'm going to leave and go back home. And there was a moment where Sam Houston had to address his army. And the way he motivated them was he said, you need to understand there is 180 men right now that are spending their future and their dreams. They are shedding their blood to buy us a few days so that we can establish a nation. And they said it had a profound effect upon the army when they realized that it wasn't just about them, but somebody else is paying a weighty price to buy you time so that you can gain your freedom. Many times the church forgets. We become so short-sighted and and there is a cost to serving Jesus. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt. Um, I don't think that for us as Americans, the cost has been that weighty to actually be honest, but there is spiritual warfare and there is a cost to discipleship. And, you know, it's it's not pursuing what you want. To really be a wholehearted follower of Jesus, you have to yield up your rights and lay down your life for the cause of Christ in a wholehearted way. And that is the, the that is the cost, the call of discipleship, I should say, yeah. that the Lord is wanting to reawaken in the American church. So in my American lifestyle, when I think that my life is so hard, I want to remind you of the young man (laughs) who walked that lonely path up Golgotha's hill and was willing to pour out his entire life, but just not in in a singular way that he would just say, I'm doing this because I just want to demonstrate something. No, there was there was this spiritual arena that surrounded him where all of the wrath of God was was being poured out. And you can see him experience uh, what we would call hell. Hell is separation from God. We see that while he's on the cross suffering on the tree, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing hell. 
in that moment. Separation from God, a sense of being lost, what it's like to be uh, lost forever. And uh, so that motivates me sometimes when I get up in the morning and I start complaining about how rough my life is. And I go, Jesus, I want to look unto you today uh, because I see that you endured such resistance of sinners against yourself, such opposition and such pain and such suffering to taste my death. You, you took my death mm-hmm. and, and suffered in my place. And so that motivates me to say, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough. And I didn't go where I wanted to go today. <laughs> but okay. let me just finish this. Satan made this calculation that I can tempt him, and and if he sins, he'll be subject to death. Well, the point was that Jesus, even though he was tempted in all points like we are, was without sin. But this is where Satan made his biggest mistake. He said, even if we don't, if he didn't sin, let's kill him anyway. Let's see that if we can still control him through death. And that was the greatest spiritual and we're going to see legal mistake in the court of heaven that Satan could make. Because in that mistake, God was able to then execute a judgment against him. And we'll pick that up on Monday uh, when we continue this. So good. <laughs> You're making it hard on me, Dad. <laughs> I try. I, us furrow guys, just so you know, we're pretty emotional. So it was everything within me to not keep, not start crying with my dad. Otherwise, you'd have had two furrow guys up we here. We have a bawling. wonderful savior. <laughs> I'm just bawling. Uh, so yeah, that you made it hard on me, Dad. But guys, we appreciate you being with us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, make sure you put them in the comment section below. If you guys want to just know more about Summit Life Ministries, make sure to check us out at summitlifeministries.com. If you want to just make sure to get all our updates, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube. But guys, we love you. We appreciate you and all the support that you guys give us. But again, have a wonderful day. Thank you and God bless. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.